want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 121. And I want to speak to you this morning on when you need help and hope. Psalm 121. I don't need to rehearse for you what this week has been like. Even some who were without uh, power for a while and got it back on or did not have trees in their houses. There are multiple stories of getting in closets and bathrooms and everywhere you could get thinking that the worst was about to happen. And for many, it did. 3,500 homes damaged, probably 10,000 plus trees down. Much of what you are used to seeing in Albany in a landscape will be changed for decades to come. And yet in the middle of that, when words like disbelief and fear and uncertainty and chaos come, there's a word of hope and there's a word of help. I've watched this church and relief organizations and this community pull together quickly this week. And I am very grateful for all that is being done and will be done uh, we have two big generators on each side of this church. Uh, we couldn't be guaranteed we'd have power on, and we needed to gather as a body today. We needed a place to provide shelter if people needed shelter, and we could not wait until Saturday or Sunday and make that call. So uh, we, we did what we could to try to take the pressure off of the city for getting power to our neighbors so there was power off across the street, down Acker, all around us. There was power off, and if they didn't have to worry about getting power on at Sherwood, which drains a lot, they could work more on our neighborhood. And so even in those generators being there, we're trying to think about the community in which we live so that we can be the best help possible. You and I need to understand something, that this world at its worst needs the church at her best. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but if the, if the world ever needs to see what the church really is and what Jesus is really like, then he ought to see it in times like this. I'm grateful for the partnership with pastors and with churches. I'm grateful that Wednesday night we were able to go to First Baptist Albany. We had no power here and uh, have a prayer service and various pastors around town and Billy Graham Disaster Relief uh, to be present to give an update and then for us to pray with people from other churches. I am very grateful that uh, when I called Daniel Simmons and said, Daniel, we have a funeral of one of our deacons and we don't have power and Kimball Stern doesn't have power, he said, you come to Mount Zion and make our church your church. And so 300 people gathered on Thursday afternoon for a member of our vision planning team and our deacon body who died on Monday night for us to have a, wor a worship service and an honoring service for him to sing of the Lord and to speak of the Lord to people in this community in the midst of a very bad time. I'm very blessed by Georgia Baptist Relief, by the Red Cross, by Samaritan's Purse, by Billy Graham Disaster Relief Team, by the first responders. I, I, I told people I almost got a police officer killed on Tuesday because I sh John Spencer and Terry and I were out in the car and we were out at Jefferson. We, were, we had divided our staff up among neighborhoods to just 
try to go and see what we could see and where we could go to work. So we got a bunch of Chick-fil-A biscuits and water and coffee and just started going down every road we could go down and walking where we had to. And uh, so I, I was at the corner of Jefferson. I said, John, pull over. So he pulled over. And so I've got a bag with four Chick-fil-A biscuits and bottles of water. And I'm having to yell at this police officer and tell him I've got it. And so he starts coming toward me. I said, what about the car? He said, they'll stop. And this lady driving the car, she just... <laughs> she almost ran over a police officer. I said, now this is going to be a really good news story. Pastor gets police officer killed handing out a Chick-fil-A biscuit. I don't know how you shorten that headline, but it, it wouldn't have been a good one. But boy, God has done some incredible things this week in the lives of people. And the thing we heard over and over this week was everything we lost could be replaced. We're alive. When life presses in on us and when life throws us a curve, we're not always ready for it. Most of us woke up Monday morning complaining that it was hot in January and we were walking around in t-shirts and shorts. We would have liked to have had that weather the last two days. By the time we got up the next morning, there was disaster all around us. If you look at the map of the red zones where there was the most intense damage, the devastation and the destruction is unbelievable. But here's what the psalmist says. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. For where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. And behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. When life presses in, when we get a gut punch, when everything changes and when we're overwhelmed, the question we ask is, where can I go for help? Who can I turn to? And this psalm pictures God as a sentinel on a watchtower, watching over his people, watching over his land. God is speaking here, obviously, of Jerusalem and of Israel, but it also applies to us. God watches over us. And there are three things I want you to see quickly this morning. First of all, he is the God of creation. He watched over creation. The Bible begins with a declarative statement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Elohim is one of the names of God. It means the one to whom all power belongs. Now, when I was thinking about what needed to be said today, I found an illustration about when Skylab used to be up in the, in the atmosphere somewhere and orbiting, and it was taking pictures of the sun. And while Skylab was taking pictures of the sun, it caught one explosion on the sun. And as they evaluated that explosion on the sun, they determined 
that there was enough power and energy in that one explosion to power every person, home, building, in the world for 500 million years. God created that. God created that. We have to put power back together. God doesn't have to put his power back together. God created that kind of power. We, we know the world has fallen. We know that man is, is sinful. And we know that creation groans. And in times like this, it reminds us we need God. Have you thought this week about how little you have control over? You had no control whether a tree fell in your yard or not, whether it fell on your car or not, whether it fell on your house or not. You had no control over whether you had power or not. When there's a time like that, we have to understand and remind ourselves we're not as large and in charge as we think we are. That our help comes from the Lord. The God who created the universe can also recreate. He's the God of creation. He's also the God of preservation. Look again at verse 3. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. And behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The word keep means to hedge about or to guard or to protect or to attend. What, when it says preservation, what I mean by is God's guarding you. God is watching you. Is He's hedging about you. He is totally aware of what you're going through, what you need, what you feel. Now, in the Hebrew text of this psalm, there's only one word in the Hebrew for these phrases, watch over, persevere, keep. It's used six times, two times in chapters, in verses 3 and 4, once in verse 5, and three times in verse 7 and 8. God is our helper, and he is our keeper. He not only helps, he keeps, he watches over. He's standing guard over us. I, growing up on the coast, I lived through five hurricanes. Uh, my parents' house was six blocks from the coast. My parents decided to stay during Hurricane Camille. It was not the smartest decision they ever made. I told them what I thought about it at about 2 o'clock in the morning when we saw trees snapping and power lines. We thought we were having a fireworks show. It was just all the transformers in town blowing. But in that storm, the, the roof over the storage area of my dad's drugstore flipped completely over. It just, the wind got under it, and it flipped over on top of the other roof, and it blew out the front windows of my dad's drugstore. Now, in a drugstore, you have narcotics. And so when we got out the next morning, there were two National Guardsmen standing guard at my dad's drugstore to watch. Why? Because there were drugs inside the store. They needed to make sure those didn't get out and get in the wrong hand. And I asked them, how long have you been here? I'm just a kid. I'm just in the 10th grade. And I said, how long have you been there? And they said, we've been here since 2 o'clock this morning. The winds were 125 miles an hour at 2 o'clock in the morning that day, and two National Guardsmen stood there with their rifles guarding sentinels, keeping watch. You know what? 
There may not be a National Guardsman, guardsman at your house, but there's a God at your house Amen. that's keeping watch. And the devil will play on our fears right now. And he'll make us fear the worst rather than believe God for the best. There are some dangerous people out there. There are people taking advantage of people. Listen, nobody from Samaritan's Purse or Georgia Baptist Relief is asking you for money to get trees off of your house. We had a crew from SCA that went out this week. And then when they got to one when they got to one house, the guy just stopped and said, I don't have any money. And we said, we're not asking for money, just here to help. One man said to one of our staff members, I've been in Vietnam, I've been shot, and I've been stabbed, and I've never been more afraid than I was Monday night. Folks, that's where the church needs to say what Jesus said, fear not. I am with you. God is with us in the storm. And then finally, he's the God of salvation. Verse 7, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. I want you to look at what God does. God is the God of salvation. He, he keeps us from all harm. He watches over our lives. He will watch over our coming and going. He will do all that now and forevermore. Let me just give you two references if you want to mark them down to remind yourself. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The book of Jude, verses 24 and 25 to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, both before all ages, now and forevermore. How does God save us? God saves us in trouble. Sometimes he saves us from trouble trouble you know the why question is a big question not many of us ask the why not me question uh, if you were spared you were spared for a reason and you and I if we were spared we were not spared to sit on our blessed assurance and let people suffer while we fold our clothes and eat our meals because next time it could be you might not be you this time, it could be you next time. Might be you this time, not you next time. People affected by this weren't affected by the flood in 94. There'll be another disaster, folks. That's why we need to be equipped and we need to be engaged. God will save us in trouble. God will save us from trouble. But mostly, God saves us from sin. And he saves us from ourselves. Do you realize that God did not save Daniel from the lion's den, he saved Daniel in 
the lion's den. He did not save the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. He saved them in the fiery furnace. So whether God saved you from it or whether God saved you in it, he is the God of salvation. But here's what I know. Sherwood can help meet some physical needs. Samaritan's Purse can help meet some physical needs. Other people can help meet physical needs. But at the end of the day, if we met your physical needs and we did not tell you that the greatest need of your life is Jesus Christ, we would have failed you. Because one day we're all going to die. And it's going to determine where we spend eternity. If we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be helped, and in a few weeks or a few months, you can get back to normal. But one day, they're going to pronounce you dead. And that moment, you will either spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And it won't matter how many good works you did. It won't, won't matter how nice you were or, or how much stuff you had or anything else. That's not how you get to heaven. You get to heaven by admitting that you're a sinner. You get to heaven by understanding that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You get to heaven by understanding that there's none righteous, not one, nobody. That our righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. That our good works are nothing in the eyes of God, that that won't save us, that won't get us to heaven. When we get to heaven, it's when we realize that we are walking in the wrong direction, and the Bible calls it repentance, and we repent, and we turn from the way we've been walking, depending on ourselves, depending on our resources, and we turn to God, and we say, God, I need you to save me. I need you to change my life, and in that moment, God comes in and does what his word says he will do. He saves us to the fullest. And so if you're not saved in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But for those of us who are saved and who know the Lord, I want you to just look one more psalm. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You might not have verbalized this, but you needed this today. You needed to sing with your family. You needed to see your family. You needed something that felt a little normal today. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know how you, know how you get organized in a disaster? You're already connected with people. Sunday school classes connected with other people, churches connected with other churches. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's go so we can find out how to give, how to serve, how to love, how to care, how to meet a need. Let's, let's get there. Let's do something. Not just go and worship and leave and say, well, I'm glad that, was, that really made me feel good. But what do we do now? What do we do when we walk out of here and the mission field of Albany, Georgia begins at the borders of Sherwood Baptist Church? When we walk out, when we drive out, what do we do and where do we go? If we are living and breathing, then we need to understand this is a place of praise. This is a place of prayer. But it also needs to be a place of peace. 
And you and I are going to have countless thousands of opportunities to invite people to a place of prayer, a place of praise, and to a place of peace. If you can't talk to somebody about Jesus right now, you may need to talk to yourself about Jesus right now. Not one person this week, not one, I can't find anybody on our staff, not one person this week that we said, hey, we're praying for you, how can we pray for you? said, I don't need prayer. You may not know how to share the gospel, but you know how to pray for somebody. You just talk to God, talk to your father, tell your father what the needs of these people are. And if you don't know how to talk to him, find somebody who does. Or how about this, just tell them how you got saved. In times like this, you're not taking advantage of people. You're finding them in a moment when they're thinking about life and death. Because I guarantee you, every house with a tree on it, the people inside that house were thinking about life and death Monday night. Every house. And this is our responsibility to shine like lights, to be a light in this world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me with heads bowed and eyes closed? Here's what I want to ask you to do. Nobody looking around, Christians, I'm asking you to be praying. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ today, if you don't know that if you died today, you'd spend eternity in heaven. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm talking about a by grace through faith relationship with Christ. Then I want to invite you on behalf of our Heavenly Father. I want to invite you to step out from where you are right now. We won't have any music playing right now. I just want to invite you just to step out and come and say, I need to trust Christ today. I need to give my heart to Christ today. Whether you're in the balcony, the mezzanines, on the floor, people will let you out. If you need to do that today, then don't wait. Do it now. Step out right now. Step out and come to Jesus. Step out and give your heart to Jesus today. Now, for those of you that are part of this church family, I know looking around, I want to ask you to do this. I want you to just draw a circle around yourself right now and say, Lord, would you show me how I can love people like Jesus in the coming days and weeks? My neighbors, people I go to school with, people I work with, would you show me how I can show the love of Jesus to people. Would you show me how I can invite people to come to Christ? And then would you pray, Lord, would you use me to be a witness? Whether I'm using a chainsaw or a rake or helping to prepare a meal or just getting the kids to school or whatever it is, would you just 
Use me to be a witness this week and in the weeks to come. Don't, don't play spiritual basketball with that and pass it to your neighbor. How do you want God to use you this week? How do you want God to use your family during this time? Father, we are gathered here today to worship you, to praise you, to pray, and to remind people that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Lord, I pray that all of us will be found at our station doing our duty. We'll all be tired. We'll all be mentally exhausted and emotionally frayed. But God, would you strengthen us in the inner man and woman with the Holy Spirit to do what you've tasked us to do coming out of this storm. Lord, whatever the new normal is for us as a community, as a region, may we embrace it with our eyes on you. Let us look to you. For it is from you that our help comes. In Jesus' name, amen. You be seated for just a moment. Now, you should have gotten a uh, love offering envelope when you walked in. And uh, I forgot to get my envelope, but uh, you should have gotten a love offering envelope when you walked in. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up a second offering today. This love offering envelope is for you to put money in for disaster relief. Uh, we know that there are needs. We're going to be stretched on tr what we can do to meet those needs. We've already uh, have things that have kicked in because of us doing this. So um, I want to ask you to give. If you can give a dollar, if you can give five dollars, you can give ten. If you can give twenty, I'm not asking you for the biggest offering ever because we're probably going to have to do this again. I'm just asking you if you can help today. Then, if you'd take that love offering envelope, or if you just, Chad, if you just take that right there, then we want to take this offering today. We'll have Sunday school after this uh, in just a few minutes. But, men, I'm going to pray. You're going to take the offering, and then I'm going to make a couple of announcements, and then we're going to move uh, from here. Father, use these offerings to bless people. Some we will know, and some we will not know. But I pray that you would. Help us in a monetary way to be a blessing going out of this. In Jesus' name, amen.